I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Welcome, everybody, to uh, our part two discussion of My Year Abroad by Chang Ray Lee. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Are you excited to talk about this strange ending oh. to this lovely, weird book? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yes. Yes, I'm, I am. I'm excited to talk about it with you. Um, so, should we start on, on what our, our libation is this evening? What are you drinking? Yeah. So, mine's not themed. Uh, in any way towards the book, but I am drinking a Manhattan tonight. Well, that sounds lovely. Yes. Um, I had all these great intentions, and I was going to make myself a dark and stormy. It's mentioned in the in the book. Um, but then I realized I don't have any rum. I guess I'm not a rum drinker. Oh. And I thought I had a bottle of rum somewhere that a friend of ours gave us to hold for him because it's so delicious and he didn't want to keep it in his house because he only wants to have it for special occasions. So anyway, that's our friend Aaron. Oh. Um, I thought his bottle would be around and I was like, oh, it's really good rum. So that will be better. And I can't find it. So then I thought perhaps a rosé instead. I feel like. Do you like, do you yes. like the reference there? Yes. Yes. <laughs> My little Billy Joel reference. So I'm drinking um, a Tinto Ray rosé. It's really delicious. And actually, the label, I mean, none of you can see it, but Sadie can. It almost has this kind of old English. Oh. Like, so it made me, then it made me think of our next book, Hamnet. Yes. Which is revolves a little bit around Shakespeare. So it all kind of still works. I'm you proud know, of myself for that. We're weaving our episodes together. It's all good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Some nice foreshadowing there, maybe. So, and it's delicious. <laughs> Very crisp and refreshing. So, yeah. Very good. Um, Sadie, will you remind everybody, speaking of, um, what our next book is so they can pick it up at their local bookstore if they'd like to read and then be a part of the discussion? Yes. So our book for next week is Hamnet. And again, I think we'll spend two weeks discussing that one, but it's by Maggie O'Farrell. So if you can pick it up and you want to discuss, I, I think it'll be a really good one. Awesome. Um, and then thanks again to everyone who's who's been listening, who's sent us, you know, their their congratulations and their info and, you know, told us what they thought. Thank you. And for those that responded to Sadie's karaoke question, <laughs> um, we got some fun ones. What the time of my life and Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm -hmm. So thanks to everyone. And if you have any suggestions for books that you think we should discuss on the podcast, please DM us, um, send us an email. Um, we would love to get your ideas. We do already have Hamnet lined up, but then we'll need something after that. So definitely open if anyone has any suggestions. Yeah. And if you're not sure where to look, I'll make sure to link everything in our show notes so you can find all of our links there. Awesome. All right. Well, so we discussed last time episode one episode chapters one through 14 um, and where we ended was they were in this lovely karaoke club and you discover that Tiller has just this amazing talent for singing not just his voice but just how he engages and mm. 
emotes with the songs um so it was the lovely scene to end on right like so hopeful and Uh like he's really making it over here on his asian adventure he's really discovering himself Mm -hmm. and then it all goes to shit pretty quick pretty quick (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah so yeah so why don't you tell me sadie because i had already finished the book when we talked last time so now that you finished it kind of what were your initial thoughts Wow. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it took a while to get there. I'm not going to lie. I think I think my overall impression is maybe this book is just a hair too long, but it is it is a it is a whopper of a book. You it's know, a I, whopper. I think that's a valid there it's it's a saga. I mean, things almost 500 pages. Yeah. I like, can I can definitely see cuz so much of the action happens in the latter like third of the book, and I could mm-hmm. definitely see some like readers losing interest, but I would urge them to hang on because holy shit, the end of this book is crazy. It's so good. It's incredible. And it answered all my questions. If you couldn't tell from the first episode, I was very much like, what is going on? I'm so discombobulated. I don't know if I like this. And I can tell you now that reading, finishing the book, it was a strong finish for sure for me. That's a, that's a good point. Like everything is, is closed up. Like, yeah, you do, there's nothing left necessarily unanswered. Um, which, yeah, um, there's a lot, though. It's it's really intense. You know, this book made me think a lot about... Have you read a lot of um, Ruku Murakami? No. Like the Wind Up Bird Chronicles or yeah, Talk I've, on the Shore? He's on my TPR, for sure, but I have not read any. Definitely read his stuff, but it reminded me a lot of that. Just this kind of almost seems not realistic, but it's supposed to be totally realistic. You know, this kind of magical realism thing. But then also... Just these weird sagas that kind of have just these random off details in them that yeah. just make it not quite believable. Mm-hmm. So you're never quite like, I don't know, you're just kind of always unsettled. Yep. Which, um, I mean, I liked it, but yeah, it's definitely, you're always just a little unsettled reading it. At least I feel that way when I read like books like this. Yeah. Um, but I like it. It makes me think a lot and, you know, what do I like and what do I not like? But anyway, so they leave this karaoke club and it's just everything's wonderful and then I mean it just goes through everything kind of starts to go downhill they they end up at kind of a bordello and Tiller has an experience with a prostitute and then they go to who you determine he's kind of some like Asian mob boss this huge hotel that looks like a ski a ski alp like hotel place they end up there and it's just him this mob boss and his daughter who We'd met at the karaoke place, Drum, and then his daughter's name is Constance. And they're all there to kind of sell him on this elixirant drink. Um, and in the meantime, he's hosting like yogi competitions. And it's all these <laughs> Westerners who have come to do all their yoga in a contest to see who gets to be his personal like yogi master mm-hmm. and all this money. So that's going on. And he forms this sexual kind of S&M relationship with Constance and then Pong and Lucky leave and he's now there alone and continues this relationship with Constance and he has interactions with Drum and you learn that Drum is kind of wanting eternal life mm-hmm. right he he wants to never die and you can tell he's very sick and he's trying to find that magical elixir which I kind of love stories that have to do with 
with that, with this quest for immortality. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's in so many different stories, and it's just this never-ending saga that cultures and people will have of wanting immortal life or wanting to be immortal. Yeah. And I loved, what that means and what that yeah. looks like. I loved the way that they talked about that in this book um, because they don't really say, like, immortality. They just say, they call it deathness. And I found that mm-hmm. such a, an interesting way of describing, you know, immortality. It's not, or deathlessness, I think is what they say. Yes, deathlessness, which is a lovely way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he has all these interactions with Drum, who is wanting, you know, to find that immortality. And then um, Pong's been gone for a while. Um, and Pong tells this and again I love his stories within the story mm-hmm. but Tom, Pong tells this lovely I say lovely but it, it's kind of sad the story about how he comes to America and he was an immigrant and he by chance ended up kind of working at this restaurant and then he ended up living with the restaurant owner's wife after he the restaurant owner died and taking care of kind of her and her son who seems to have some disabilities and then he ends up switching identities with this mm-hmm. son Mm-hmm. and then that's how he becomes Pong, but mm-hmm. he's not really Pong. That's not his real name. That's not who he is, and he's now he's living this life, and, and he tells Tiller this. He, he kind of confesses this, and then Pong leaves, and then things really start to go downhill for Tiller. Oh, my gosh. He basically becomes an indentured servant. Yeah, um, things go underground pretty quick. <laughs> it, literally. Literally yeah. underground. And then... Instead of being this guest that is, you know, having the time of his life, he's now forced to make curry <laughs> with uh, with another white guy who came over to be a, a what like English a English teacher mm-hmm. English English teacher, and instead also ended up becoming an indentured servant and has lost his mind. He's an interesting character named Pruitt. So now they're trapped and they're making curry and they're being beaten and tortured and starved. And it's all because Lucky and Pong left mm-hmm. and had promised this elixirant or this kind of special elixirant that would let Drum stay alive. And now he hasn't come back. And so now they're punishing Tiller for this. And then it's and then it's over. And well, they had captured Pong. <laughs> they captured Pong and Lucky. Uh-huh. And are tortured. And I guess killed. That's the question. And then so that's yeah. that's the one question okay. that we don't get answered. One. I think I think it's quite it's, implied yeah. that they are they are killed. It is heavily um, implied. And then uh, Drum ends up like dipping himself into a big well, vat of mercury. Yeah, he puts which on just ma- which, this cloak of gold, and then right. as his either last ditch effort or his you know his final like suicide like, suicide yeah he's like accepting it he's like hold me down tiller you're the only one here who can do it and so he has to Did hold the body that down scene in and who framed roger rabbit you know how they used to like dip people into the vat of like yeah that green stuff yeah that's what it made me think of it was weird it was a weird visual so bizarre and then while all of this is going on it's still kind of flashing back to his suburban life oh yeah more story. Yeah. More things happen. <laughs> Which, I mean, trigger warning, we are going to be talking a little bit, I think, about suicide attempt, which is pretty serious as far as his relationship with Val goes. Um, that is a little bit 
more believable and serious of what's going on versus what's going on with his adventure abroad. Um, but yeah, he it, it kind of alternates with his relationship kind of dissolving with Val in a lot of ways. She's becoming very distant and everything. And then, it, you know, the climax of that story is her attempting suicide and they have this really meaningful conversation while she's like holding an iron above a tub full of water that um she finally decides not to and he saves her life by jumping in front of like the cord to make sure that it unplugs it's very good oh yeah it's a good good heavy story intermixed with all this just craziness yeah. of what he of what was going on for him before he met Val which it's just so interesting how it kind of set him up to handle real heavy things and to be a support for somebody. Yeah. Cause he, he is a great support to Val and her son. And, and then they've created, while that's going on, they like created this at home restaurant mm-hmm. because they're, because her son is just this amazing restaurant. Ron like comes up with all these great ideas and he's this amazing chef. Anyway, and then Tiller finally had escaped from his adventure in Asia and now he is where he is and, him and Val and her son kind of have decided that they're going to be happy in this life they have. Mm-hmm. I think before the chapters before there was kind of all these questions, right? Of like, how long will this last? You yeah. know, is this what we really want? We're kind of here temporary. Our lives are just temporary. And then it, it kind of ends with this, this finality a little bit yeah. like this contentment. I mean, I guess you could say happy ending, um, but it's more of just a, a settling in, um like adventures over kind of craziness is over um kind of just a calming that's how I took it yeah it's definitely taking their relationship to a more serious level because the first half of the book it's pretty clear that they we kind of talked about it in the last episode that they just don't really talk about their past very much and they they don't talk about their parents or really say or tell each other anything about their histories that you know, you would only share with somebody who you're extremely close with or you're committed to or something. And then finally, at like the end of the book, it becomes much more clear that they're starting to share more of themselves. And I think that is something that lends to that kind of finality or more of seriousness for an actual future together. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that was kind of a little rundown of everything. Um, one of the things that I was thinking of, this is when I called you the other day because oh. I was driving and I couldn't write down what I was thinking about. But, you know, they make such a point in this book or Chang Rui Lee does of heritage and, you know, here's where Pong is from. Here's the ancestry there and then makes this big point about Tiller and how he's one eighth Asian and Val is. And, you know, here yeah. he is going from the West and he's he's traveling to the East to kind of try and find himself and. You know, I was actually listening to this podcast called Astray, and it's kind of about people who who specifically go to India, so white people who go to India to try and find enlightenment and all these different things that have happened to different people there yeah. and how it's kind of gone wrong. And it made me think of, you know, this reverse immigrant story. Mm. You know, Pong mm-hmm. came to America and immigrated, and they talk so much about luck in this story as well. Yeah. And, like, it was all kind of by luck and by chance that Pong ended up where he ended up you know prior to kind of things going downhill 
And and then you've got Tiller who goes to Asia to try and find himself. You can tell that he's not necessarily he's not like unhappy with who he is, but he's just bored, right? He just considers himself average, normal, nothing special. He's obviously got a lot of issues because his mom left, but he hasn't really even talked about those or identified those. And so he goes to Asia and it starts off like what you think this typical kind of experience would be, you know, like all these pretty pictures on Instagram and people go and they just have all these enlightening experiences and it's amazing. But in reality, it's, it's not, it's all this farce and he kind of gets I mean, he ends up getting tortured and yeah. and beaten and put through really crazy experiences. And I think it kind of brings up just at this point of that's kind of what the immigrant story is. A lot of times we make a big point about, you know, come to America and things are going to work out for you. If you just work hard enough, Yeah, it'll all happen for you. And we know that that's not true. Mm-hmm. And then here he is going to Asia thinking, oh, I'm going to find myself. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's really not that great. You end up like most immigrants coming to America, being kind of an indentured servant for a while. Yeah. And so I don't know. I just was thinking of like this flip-flop and how it's just so highlighted, like his ancestry and his background and the immigrant story and mm-hmm. luck just kind of made me think about all those things. Yeah, luck and and also, you know, just how sometimes it doesn't matter really what you do or how hard you try. Like this the odds are stacked against you, you know, because when you first think about like identity theft, obviously like it's painted as like this most, this awful thing, but Pong, as you see, you know, it wasn't for lack of trying that he tried to get his visa renewed as a student visa, you know, because he's about to get deported, um, before he takes on the, the kid's identity of the woman that he's living with. And it, it, it's not like it was malicious, on either end it was just like this is this is what we have to do this is these were the odds this, these were the cards we were given and we kind of have to manipulate the system a little bit to find success here and that's yeah that's sad exactly. you know it's they're just not playing by the same rules and they're not given the same opportunities and given the same deck as the rest of us yeah no, and, and I think it's something that Tiller really, you know, he's 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 listened to all these stories, he's seen certain things, and then, you know, at the end part of the book where he's with Val and they're all bowling, mm-hmm. and he's, since he's left, since he escaped Asia, he's had this, like, ATM card that Pong gave him, and it was to the bank account where they had all the money that they basically swindled with this elixirant that they swindled from Drum. Mm-hmm. And so he's been using this ATM card and really sparingly, but he has it. And that's kind of how he's been surviving. And then he he talks about how now he's decided to be a little bit more extravagant with it. And he pays for bowling and all these drinks and Mm -hmm. pizza with it. And he says, um, you know, he's talking about how he's always been conservative. And then he said, but I love the feeling that swooshed through me, which I suppose was like being a lottery winner and not just your typical self-made filthy rich guy. Someone who understood the craziness of chance that underlies everything and what ought to be a bountiful world for all. Mm. And I think he's making that exact point. Like, he realizes that this things aren't fair. It's mm-hmm. not stacked. It's all just chance and luck and opportunity and good luck and bad luck. Yeah. You know, and that's that's how things happen. And you would think that this would be a bountiful world for all. You would think that it would be you play by the rules. This is what happens. 
but it's not. And there's people who understand that and there's people who don't. And he now does. And I think he now learned that because of Pong and his experiences. Yeah. I think it too, it, it, so when I was first reading the book, I was kind of trying to figure out what the purpose was or how much I was getting out of just kind of like the braiding back and forth between the storylines and what the, you know, like where Tiller really is at either point. And at the end, I kind of realized it's like, I think that it's trying to say that it wasn't just his year abroad that changed him. It gave, like, that was the toolkit that he needed to, I think, make like these big realizations, right? But ultimately, he had to take those lessons um, or that toolkit into his suburban life and still experience things, things there for him to, I think, have his final big kind of realization. Because it takes him a while before he gets that joy of, of um, not wealth, but just like sharing everything and then also sharing the pieces of himself that he doesn't share with Val until the end of his, uh, yeah. end of their kind of relationship at the end of the book. And I think that's a good insight. I think he really, it really clicks for him when he decides to call his dad and has yeah. a conversation with his dad about what songs his mom used to play mm-hmm. and what was her favorite song and he so really I think like a lot of people we think okay there, there's obviously something off right I'm, I'm not who I want to be I'm not who I need to be I'm not operating at at the level I want to so I'm gonna go on this trip I'm gonna change my job I'm gonna do this like you think all these new experiences are what are gonna change it and it's it's not just the new experiences. He ends up having to go back to his past that he hasn't really grappled mm-hmm. with, which is the absence of his mother and what her relationship was like with him and why was she not there anymore and his feelings about that. And it wasn't until that happens and he goes back to the core of it and the mm-hmm. root of himself, that's when he is now able to be who he wants to be, who he needs to be, and to be that for other people yeah. and to have contentment. You know, So I think... For me, it made me really think about, you know, I think you talk about people taking a year abroad, a year abroad, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like something magical happens at this, (laughs) during this year away, like that's this like big turning point. And for reality, it was this crazy, horrible experience, Mm -hmm. but you know, he had to go back to who he really was and his issues before all that to, to feel better. So I just think it brought up a good point about what are we really, when we're searching for something you know shouldn't we also look back sometimes if that makes sense yeah look back and and look at also like paying attention to where we are because I feel like you know like whenever I feel like I read a story about a person abroad or like a typical like Bildungsroman you know a coming of age story which I feel like this fits that category sure um I feel like there's always this weird tension or question of like what happens when you come back and I think that's why I really enjoyed this one by the end of it because for I feel like it's kind of rare in a story like this for it to show what happens when he comes back and he has to be oh completely aware of what's going on in his present and how it does connect to his past and what he wants as a future so it requires him to have like a self-awareness, an awareness of the people around him as and their needs that, you know, shows that 
you know, it, as much as a year abroad for most people isn't as extreme <laughs> as it gets in this, it's still something that isn't always good and you need to take stock of like your whole life. It can't just fix anything for you because you have to come back. You have to come back some point. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think he really started to realize, you know, how how to interact with other people, how to be, um, how to connect with other people. I kind of got the sense in the first part of the book that, and he kind of brings it up. He's easily influenced. He can kind of float along and he goes through, always talk to different therapists and they say, this is all standard for people Mm. who have lost a parent. And, but he makes this big point of like, he just kind of isn't really stuck to anything. And I think that's more about connection than anything else. And and then he learns how to have these connections. I mean, he has a connection with Pong. Pong ends up being a, a kind of a con man in a way, but yeah. also someone he connected to. And that's real just because maybe everything Pong was saying and doing wasn't real. His connection with Pong was real. And yeah. I think, you know, he he connected more with himself, with, with his singing and with going through pain and um kind of all the different things he experienced he he finally connected with himself and he finally connected with other people and so then he was able to do that after he'd gone through all of those experiences yeah I mean he you know he talks about this he says I'm trying to think of what chapter it's in he's talking he's having all these experiences with Constance and they're kind of very abusive weird sexual relationships weird Um, yeah he said uh i'll just read this part maybe with constance i secretly didn't want a choice maybe it had happened in the course of my time hitched to pong and was especially apparent now that he was absent but i was starting to accept the fact that i had never quite developed a normal habit or need for choosing any amateur shrink can psychologize this deficit as precipitated by you know what and who would disagree i'm not special this tough shit thing happens to you and after that, you either take up every rain with fury or else yield yourself full feather and pray you don't end up wholly plucked. But maybe chooser and choosy are in fact more similar than any of us think. In a wider view, we are all unwitting subjects in the shadow laboratory of existence. We'll likely never know the ultimate chief investigator or understand what he or she is seeking or ever gain the wisdom of any solution that might arise. What we have is each other to push and pull, to chafe and soothe, to huddle with in the darkness, and if we're lucky, we'll get to ride this gig out together, brace each other as long as possible against the chill. Mm. Which, not not nothing new necessarily is being said there, right? But I think that it was new to him, and I love how Chang Ray Lee writes that and how he's kind of realizing that he needs to connect and find those, you know, find those relationships and that... Yeah trust and choice and yeah and I think a part of what has halted him for so long it doesn't really like explain exactly why like I feel like we can insinuate it it's obviously due to his mother and that sense of like abandonment and sadness when she's gone but it feels like a lot of the reason why he struggles to connect or is scared to really open up and connect with somebody is because of the loss of his mother. And there's this one part in the book, um, 358, if you have the hardback, where he talks about loss. And he, this is after he keeps doing like the $500 limits um, on the card. And he says, 
um, perhaps this got me obsessing about eventualities, such as how one time together might end. It's not like in a story. In stories, the endings are ones we can handle, even if they aren't so happy, because they let you linger. They let you go on, sustaining you with morsels of wonder and hope. But when you have to say goodbye to the person you love, and it is a person, it's not the same with an object or an idea. Bid that true and final goodbye, and I mean final, final, final. It's the saddest, most startling thing. Utter desolation, okay? It's when the goodbye is one-sided that trouble buds may be flowering eternal. And, you know, this is before that big scene with Val where Val attempts suicide, but... I feel like here he's he's acknowledging that loss and like the deep, deep cut of that loss that he's experiencing. And for me, that that moment kind of suggests to me that that's really the reason why he has struggled for so long to open himself up and to connect with people is because he's still scared of that deep, deep cut. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good insight. I think it's that. I think it's also a little bit he doesn't quite know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably because he hasn't done any examination because that loss is a part of him and that's a really hard thing to to think that that's now part of your identity yeah um but yeah I think it's it's definitely a big a big part and I think it's a really um you know coming full circle when he saves Val and you know then kind of it doesn't necessarily make that cut go away but it you know soothes it a little bit so that he can open himself up to to more of that because that's what life is right just Mm -hmm. like constantly opening yourself up for heartbreak because that's that's living is having heartbreak so whether that's you know someone you care about or an animal or tragic event or you know anything doesn't even have to be anything big like that like life's full of little heartbreaks too so yeah it's hard not to to put up all those walls around that so yeah especially when it happens at such a young age like that sure um one thing that I thought about a lot in this book is kind of like why Pong is able to fill this like father type role with him when there's apparently like nothing really wrong with his dad what did you think no, about his real dad? Clark is is great. Yeah, like, like he sounds like he's doing the best he can. Like oh he's my... a nice, normal guy yeah. who loves his son. Maybe isn't as I don't know. Maybe he's a little introverted, but seems it like seems so great. Could, seems like the potential is all there. Okay, so yeah. So what was your question? I just it frustrated me honestly. It frustrated me reading mm. the book when I was like, dude, your dad is right there. He's right there. Like, and there's no well, reason for you to not like open up to I I, like I get that he there's an association right he's associating what he remembers about him his mom and his dad and conversations that he's had with his dad to his mom he's attributing all that stuff one and the same together but I just wanted to shake him and be like why like Pong like I love Pong as a character I really do but I'm like why is Pong such a father figure to you yeah I can definitely see why it's yeah, I can totally see the frustration. You know, I mean, Pong is a great character, but I he's not a great father figure. But mm-hmm. I kind of, I just took it like he's looking, he was just looking for something else, right? He wanted excitement. He want, It's like he needed something to gravitate to. And bright, shiny objects, you gravitate to. Yeah. Maybe the nice, constant, warm light, 
you you know you don't yeah. and so I think you don't maybe until you learn to appreciate it as well um and I think because you really get the sense that he really liked his life in this town that they're hiding out in in this suburban life yeah. but it took him a while to to say that right like and you almost got the idea he liked being his own kind of father figure to Val's son and he liked this more domestic role because he'd had this crazy adventure he'd had his year abroad and he mm-hmm. had all those shiny things and they hurt <laughs> so I mean I kind of took it a little bit that way because I sensed he really did start to appreciate his dad and, and especially because he recognized his dad's pain you know when he called to ask about his mother and what song she listened to and yeah. and to kind of connect with his dad I, I think that was him recognizing that he's not alone in this pain and that there's they can be each other's support system because his dad was going through it too yeah it just takes um, him so long to get there well yeah he's a 20 year old guy <laughs> yeah but he's a 20 year old guy I think what's who's unrealistic about, about this book is that he got there when he did like he's true. still like 21 or 22 I mean I certainly was not so enlightened at 21 and 22 yeah I agree maybe, maybe you well, were <laughs> <laughs> can't speak to that but I will say that I mean that was one of oh my god please don't um no that was one of the things that (laughs) that uh I found um, unbelievable at the first part of the book where I was that's definitely like yeah I was gonna wait till the end and say like what did you like what did you not like but like one of the things that I really didn't like about this book is like outside of the crazy adventures that wasn't even the unrealistic part to me the unrealistic part was that it's this 20-something kid who, not that unrealistic that he was having these thoughts or this these epiphanies. It was more of just how Chang really writes it. Like, he yeah. he's so big on slang, and it's almost like he's trying too hard to sound like a 21-year-old guy, but then gives these beautiful, like, soliloquies right. on life and chance and luck and death and, and, like, all great things, all wonderfully said. And not that someone that age couldn't necessarily think that, but it was just, there was just too much of a like disconnect for me. Well, that part was just unrealistic. Especially I think the social media and like pop culture references, because Tiller never strikes me as a character who really pays any attention to those things. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, it's either, I mean, I'm, I'm 25, so I feel like I'm, I'm pretty much in the same age group as him. I'm, I like straddle Gen Z. So what are you a Gen Z? I'm a I'm a millennial, but I straddle the line pretty hard. Like I feel like I, I my hair is parted in the middle right now. Is that okay? <laughs> yes, but that's actually, what I'm supposed to do right. Gen Z likes the middle part. Um, well, I know that's what I'm saying. Millennials like, that's like good. the like side part in the middle. Yes. So it's, you right. are you know you're very on trend. Can tell you. Okay, <laughs> you're doing good great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like. Uh, I don't know. I mean, at least like my age group, which is only five years older, it would have been weird to think about things this way in the way that Ching really writes this character, but then still pop out like really random social media references like TikTok and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Like that, that doesn't quite fit. And I feel like yeah, it was maybe a little purposeful. And from my, my understanding, I've never read anything else by Chang Rayleigh, but this seems like this is, from what I've heard, the first 
really youngish character that he's like written yes it it is and it's also like it's usually not that modern he writes a lot about you know kind of the immigrant experience Mm -hmm. and and his characters are always this interesting like you know the things tiller thinks are are interesting to me and pong is the character and all the other characters are interesting but but they're not there's not such a disconnect between it, it there's just no disbelief when i'm reading any of his other novels when it comes to the story so yeah i mean it interesting but i think it's kind of cool i mean it's really a switch up from his other novels yeah it feels like it feels like a very like freeing experiment as a writer that this would be you know to get out of one's element or comfort zone um Mm -hmm. i do i I agree though like i feel like if anything i would have been happier if maybe tiller had been aged up just a little bit yeah, definitely. I agree with you. Um, yeah, so that was one thing I didn't really love about about the book, um, especially just because I loved the character Pong so much. Yeah, just I just loved him. I love how he interacts with people. I love his mystery. I mean, he's just a great character, and because he doesn't seem like an asshole, like so... he never really gives any of that. Like, there's not even a glimpse, and so you really start to. I do at least. I really start to fall for it. Like, wow, this guy's. He's something special. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe seems like there's a little something there, but look how kind he yeah, is. Yeah, so and that's like, that's my like, question. <laughs> this is my question, Audra. Do you believe Tiller and his portrayal of Pong? Well, because there's... Well, m- yeah, I, You I, do? No, 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 no. I was going to say, yeah, I brought that up last time a little bit about what an unreliable narrator maybe he is. Yeah. Like, how it's interesting that, like, Tiller's our narrator. So it's almost like, what what's true and what's not true? And, I mean... I don't know. You could go either way. I could. Be- I can see not believing Tiller because. Yeah, I think he tells us. Yeah, go ahead. I think he tells us in chapter eighteen. He says, um, "I liked the idea of the final measure of a person being what one person would say while holding oh, yeah. nothing back, but then also thought that it was chancy to rely on one lone witness to tell the story of your life. Would they tell the whole truth or the truth you wanted?" Maybe Pong understood that this was as good an outcome as anybody could ask for. So yes, very good point. I th- very good point. It's true. Yeah. He's almost saying you can't really believe what necessary. And and he says something else earlier in the book about when people talk about things, they tend to make them seem more beautiful than they really are. Yeah. Like he kind of talks about specifically when people go abroad and they post these pictures on Instagram and they tell all these stories and they make it seem like it's so much more wonderful than it really was or or something and and so it, yeah there's a couple different parts in the novel I think that you're right he kind of he suggests raises that question yeah mm-hmm. and I I mean you know at first when I started it I was like I don't know if I like this like I I think I like it I just kind of inherently didn't trust what was going on because it was Pong was almost too good to be true or something you know and I feel like that that image of him goes away in the second half of the book where you realize that, you know, he kind of swindles this guy, um, drum out a little bit, but he, you know, he kind of says that he thought the guy just had a lot of money and like wanted to do this, you know, but. Well, yeah, it kind of, he kind of humanizes himself even more. Like he, he, now, you know, he's basically a con man and that he stole his identity but you learn he stole his identity because it's like, well, shit, what else am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Like, how how else am I supposed to continue to live here? Am I, they're going to send me back. Like, I can't come, you know, I can't go back. And 
and look at how he grew up with his parents and how they were, you know, tortured basically for being free thinking artists. And, and I think he kind of thought I had no choice. And then again, doesn't necessarily seem like he's got malicious intent, just kind Mm -hmm. of like, Hey, this is how things work. Like this is life's one big, life's one big con. Yeah. And you've got to figure out how to, how to play it. Either you're, part of the con or you're being conned I think is kind of how Pong looks at it and not in like I want to hurt people way but a like this is just what you got to do I mean he he when he's talking about his parents how his dad his decision was to like okay well I'll just keep pretending to be a part of Mao and and this and mm-hmm. maybe it'll be okay and he gets screwed and his mom stands up for her rights and she gets screwed so I think he kind of looks at it like you can do everything right and so you might as well just try and not be conned. Yeah. Like, I don't know. So I agree. I, for Pong, it took, took put more of humanity to him. And then that mm-hmm. made him, made me think he was a good guy. Like. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, okay, even if Tiller is twisting things a little bit, maybe, like, I don't think he's lying really outright about like Pong's history or anything. Um, but you know he, Maybe I think just like he, seeing it through rose-colored glasses. Yeah, kinda. like he does present him yeah. in, in that kind of light. I think he's showing us the way he views Pong, not necessarily the mm-hmm. way Pong is. Sure. And that's something that I still think is is really valuable to read. Like it doesn't bug me by the end. Of course, it yeah. is super valuable to well, read because it tells you just as much about Tiller. Yeah, it, it it makes it. I mean, Pong's this great character, but he's secondary, right? Like this is Tiller's story. This yeah. is. Yeah, and it, it brings it, it gives you more insight into Tiller if you think about this is how he's presenting Pong. Because in all rights, he he could present Pong as a total like psychopath because because of Pong, he was like tortured and held captive and like Yeah. I mean, really it was Pong's fault and, and he talks about being angry with him, but that, that's that's not what he he doesn't paint him as this crazy person or this mean person. Yeah. Even though he kind of has every right to, which which says a lot about Tiller, not necessarily, oh, he's this amazing guy, but just that of how he's thinking of things and his, what he places importance on. Yeah. And I think like an ability to view somebody as like, as a whole person capable of multitudes, you know, like he's, I think he's working hard to present to us a version that like of morality of that's not black and white. It's all very much, it's very complicated. It's, it's not, you can still be a good person and have done really bad things. Like at the, thank at, God. Yeah. Thank God. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> not that I've done anything wrong ever. No, 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 no. Oh my goodness. But I just, yeah, it's something that really put me on my like the edge of my seat and kind of like the edge of my nerves when I first started reading the book but at the end after I feel like I get this like full picture of Pong's experience as well especially the story of like him moving in and taking care of like the restaurant owner's kid and and her businesses and stuff Mm -hmm. I feel like that really opened my heart to just the struggles and endeavors that somebody of lesser status in society has to go through and the kind of underground nature of it they really are given a different set of rules like we discussed earlier and I really like that they delve into that and still 
you know, Tiller still portrays Pong as like somebody that everybody really can sympathize with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so I mean, I kind of already started it, but you know, what did you like? What did you not like about the book? I already said that I, I didn't necessarily like the disconnect between Tiller's age and how he, like his dialogue mm-hmm. at times with his thought processes and his dialogue like it just seemed contradictory yeah so that's one thing I did not like yeah um I think it was a hair too long or like I would have maybe liked the action to have picked up a little earlier like keep the length Mm -hmm. but maybe the action came so kind of the pacing of it yeah the pacing I wasn't a super big fan of um the only other thing which like it wasn't exactly a huge issue for me but I don't know if I'm a super big fan of the way that, like, the mental health struggles that the women have in this book were really told and, like, the purpose of them. I guess I'm just, I'm kind of tired of reading books where, like, the trauma that these female characters go through and they are, like, far and few between in a lot of these books and how they always seem to be part of, like, the breakthrough for the male character it's something that like really drives me crazy and I didn't like that Val's suicide attempt for me anyway felt like like I thought it was it worked emotionally for me but at the same time as a as far as a narrative kind of plot point it's like okay well Val's suicide attempt now feels far less about the state of her mind and her well-being as it does for about what that did for Tiller yeah and you know, and it's, you know, it's fine. I think that he did an okay job with it. And again, it worked like really well emotionally for me because I think of his writing and the character work that he'd done before, but I'm just kind of sick of the trope. Honestly, I feel like it's kind of a trope. Gotcha. Valid. Um, okay. So what do we like? I really, really liked, um, I like how Chang Ray Lee writes. I mean, I brought up that kind of I thought there was some disconnect in dialogue because of the character's age but not has nothing to do with with how he writes I think he mm-hmm. um I think he's very lyrical but accessible um yeah so I really liked that granted I did think there was way too much food I could have cut out a lot of the food yeah. that would have probably cut out 100 pages descriptions of food every page but every <laughs> page was food description <laughs> it was a lot of food but um but anyway, I really liked his writing. I love the idea of talk. I just loved thinking the themes that it brought up for me about luck, about chance. Yeah. Um, this, you know, I really, it really made me think about immigration and, you know, what that immigrant life is, is like, but also um, this weird, uh, maybe weird's not the right way to say it. This, I think, very Western idea of, okay, now I'm going to go to the Far East and find myself and mm-hmm. have all these connections. And, and sometimes that can be a great thing, but just how often maybe that, that goes wrong and what, why. And um, that that's just, you know, this idea we have of what it means to be an immigrant and what your life's going to be like. It just made me think about all those things and yeah. start looking for discussions and literature about that elsewhere. So I love that because I love when something inspires me to go do more research or learn more or read more. So I really like that. And I loved the character Pong. Yeah. He was just a great character. So entertaining. Like, and I loved his stories within the story. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with more with you about the writing. This is my, you know, 
like I, I've said probably three or four times, but this is my first time reading Chang Rayleigh, and I was really impressed with the way he writes because, like you said, it is very approachable. I feel like you know he's he's writing you know literary work here, but he's using language and words that I feel like anybody can understand and and listen to without feeling like they have to go pull out a dictionary or something because I, I know some people find that intimidating I don't think his writing's intimidating at all but you still mm-hmm. get a lot out of it and it's challenging I like I actually I like how this book made me feel annoyed frustrated and also like super emotional and happy at the same time like depending yeah, I like just the made pushback. me feel a little off kilter yeah. yeah like I just felt a little off kilter and like it's been a while since I've been like oh do I like this no I don't wait no I do actually like yeah, this and here's yeah. what I like or like just it was very thought-provoking for me which which was nice and um mm-hmm. uh and I at first I didn't like the back and forth of what's going on in Tiller's modern life versus his adventure yeah but then I really did like it because it really, f- like, having that switch was kind of um, off-putting a little bit. Yeah. But then it, I don't know, it almost heightened the focus of it. Like, okay, well, we left off here. Like, this is something really important. Like, everything was just very important. It seemed all very important. Minus the food part. Yeah. I could have done without the food uh, descriptions. But even yeah. that, I think I get it. Like, it, it all fit with it. Like, the, everything was just so lush, so full, so so much adventure, so much food, so much so many characters so much crazy like it was just very you said last time like you just felt full yeah like it was a very it's a very gluttonous book yeah like (laughs) yes it is that's a perfect word for it it's gluttonous and you know it's the book is as full as I feel like his character work is his character work is so (laughs) good it really is Mm -hmm. I mean even even with like the qualms about Tiller's age I feel like Tiller is still just like such an interesting and empathetic character that um makes us ask a lot of I questions. I wanted to know more about I wanted to know more about all the characters. Yeah, yeah. Like I wanted and even super minor my like that weird cook chili. Yeah. That <laughs> drugs him and and like basically tortures him and I wanted to know every character's backstory. I wanted to know more about his dad and his mom and like everyone and I that mm-hmm. to me is like that's just such great character work because I want to know more about even these minor characters because in these this few you know these few paragraphs about him you've made them so interesting yeah like so I really liked all the characters and that I just wanted like I would write read a whole story about Chili yeah that and like even even just his interactions with Chandra like the yoga yogi mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. um you know she's every character every character and she you know she's extremely random she's only in the book like a tiny tiny amount but she um is a it seems so important it seems so important especially because I think of Tiller's interest in her and we just haven't seen him really express a lot of like emphatic interest in people outside of Pong Mm -hmm. and then Val and her kid and stuff and his interest in Chandra I like I'm you know if anything it just like made me want more of like wanted more of that discussion that made me almost want to have him like try to find her you know or like reach out to her um yeah you want more you want it to continue yeah yeah he's I think he's he's really good at doing that in this book is 
even if it's some parts you think are strange or you don't really understand the connection or you're tired of reading about the next meal Victor Jr. prepared, like you still want to have more of the interactions with the other characters. Like it's not necessarily that you want it to be over, even if you're like, what's going on, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it's still interesting and entertaining. There's just so many of those stories. That's the thing. Yeah. Like there's just so much of it, but it's just gluttonous. Yeah. And this it's is like it's this yeah. yeah. It's gluttonous and then also like I feel like Chang Rayleigh does such a good job of like acknowledging kind of like how everybody and everything including him as an author is kind of like a work in progress and Mm -hmm. um, I loved the final paragraph of the book where he says um, truth is mastery is beyond someone like me thou too we'll leave that to people like our special boy the rest of us as capable as we are as earnest have enough burden simply becoming we figure out half we figure our way in halfway bounds eternally not getting there yet we keep on eyes open mouths wide ready ah lovely so good yeah it's lovely it's a lovely like sentiment it's a lovely Uh, that's not the right way to say it it's a lovely thought it's a lovely i think it's a lovely thought to leave a reader with yeah and i think it's also you know i mean i i feel like in a way it's kind of self-referential um that last sentence I feel like is almost almost like it was coming from Ching Rayleigh himself where he was like this is a completely new book kind of book really for me to write and I'm not gonna say like I did a perfect job but like he's happy with it and like I'm happy I read it and everything's good like it's just delicious and also um I don't know because he's he's a professor now at like Stanford uh, because after mm-hmm. I started reading this, I did like a deep dive into like interviews with him and stuff. Rabbit hole, yeah. Yeah, and um, I loved just like this idea of like passing on um, knowledge, experiment, experience, and and also like in a lot of ways uh, privilege onto like your kids, and also like as a teacher, kind of how he might not be the best writer, but, like, he's able to maybe teach all of his students and maybe they'll be, like, the next special big thing, even though he's a very special big author as well. I mean, yeah, he, he has, you know, been, he's a Pulitzer Prize. Yeah, artist. like, he's, he's, he's pretty, he's, he's pretty good. Doing, <laughs> he's doing great, but they're, like, but the idea I, of I like what you just said, good. yeah. Well, and that's just, that's part of the immigrant story too, right, is you always want, I mean, that's why people immigrate, uh, is, is to mm-hmm. make better lives for their families and you you know you always want your children I certainly do I want them to do better than me and I don't mean like in our capitalist way of thinking yeah. that but I want them to be better people I want them to have better experiences and make better choices you want you just want the best for them and you want them to be better than you and so I think that's part of the whole immigrant story as well and and um I think that that's a lovely way to leave it because that's what this, that's how I took the story is it's, it's really this story about people immigrating to and from and what, what they're looking for and what that experience is really like Mm -hmm. versus what you think it's going to be like. And I mean, that's what you want is for everything to, you know, you know, next generation to do better, be better. Yeah. And I mean, like, God, I hope they're better. God, I hope they're better. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I hope everyone's just better than us. (laughs) I know. We have so much to work on. God. 
like as a society as individuals as a whole like I feel like it's I'm hopeful I know I'm really hopeful I had a really good conversation with um our sister the other day and I don't think she'll mind me sharing but she called me on like International Women's Day and she told me that you know her biggest hope her biggest dream is that um her daughter can who's like seven or something now can live with without any of the shame that she felt growing up and you know that she can be free to be herself and to explore every avenue that she wants to and do anything that she wants to accomplish and like there, there she just won't see limitations for herself or shame when she wants something or wants to be comfortable even you know and just like wear a tank top like that stuff that you know like we were raised to kind of like feel not shameful about but like weird about and you know I think it's such a humanizing experience for anybody to have that desire for their kids to just get that that one opportunity that they didn't have when they were growing up that they may or may not be traumatized by but like just that that really burning desire for them to get that one thing even if it's just one thing that you didn't have yeah that's lovely yeah that shame monster is a is a bitch. It's a real. Speaking it's of, real you should bitch. watch. You should watch the show uh, Big Mouth. Oh. If anyone has not seen Big Mouth on Netflix, you must watch it. You, There's the shame monster in it. You the are best, like love that show. Yes, you and Kendrick are definitely partners in life because one time I brought up shame around Kendrick, and the first thing and he, he said, about the shame monster. <laughs> the first thing he said, shame monster is a real bitch. You should really watch Big Mouth. <laughs> Literally just like you did. Are you kidding no. me? That's so funny. No, we love that show. It's so good. It is. Granted, there are parts of it that Kendrick thinks are really funny that I don't think is funny. I'm not big on like the potty humor thing, mm, yeah. which sucks because I'm the mother of two young boys. Um, uh, I'm Kendrick sure that they the love it. poop stain the other day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't that nice of him? Is it like a- Anyway, we have totally gone off the rails. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, he taught them that word. Like he said it. And so now they say it. In what and context? I, I don't. What context is there ever like, to talk about it? Do they just call See, random just, things that aren't poop stains poop stains, or do they actually just point out poop stains? No, they ran like they randomly just say it. Like they say <laughs> words like that because it's I hate it, and that's what's funny. Yeah, think about this before if you have children, think about this. <laughs> no. Anyway, so sorry that I've gone off the rails about that, but maybe I'm not. I do. I love the that's lovely that that um she said that to you and I think that's a lovely part of this book and it left me after all the weirdness and craziness, it left me feeling really good and thoughtful, which yeah. is a good book to me. I so agree. I I enjoyed it. Um anything else that you wanted to say about my year abroad? No, I think I think we covered it. I really enjoyed our discussion today, honestly. Like, this was such a a good book to have to discuss with another person. Because I think on your own, it's just, a lot of it is just like, what the hell is happening? And, and then once yeah. you're really you able, able to, need to, be able to like sit with it. Get it out yeah. and examine it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm really excited for our next book, Ham- book Hamnet. I've already started it. Um, I'm also reading um, Cast by Isabel Wilkinson. Oh, great. Nonfiction. Lovely. Go read it. I gave a copy to your dad, too, because I really wanted to talk to him about it. Um, it's a great book. Everyone should read it. Um, yeah, and I did just see the movie on Netflix, I Care A Lot. 
Did you see? I haven't watched it. It has Rosamund Pike in it though, right? It's so good. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's such a, it's so good. You have to watch it. And I loved it so much. I told Kendrick and then we watched it together and he loved it too. Okay. So you, do you think it's really good? Do you think Brian will like it? I don't know. I don't know. Like, what do you think? What other movies does he like? I mean, he'll, he likes good movies, but. Well, he should like it. And if he doesn't, then tell him that he has horrible taste. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm really excited. I really love Rosamund Pike. I, I have loved her since 2005 Pride and Prejudice. And and then I really. Peter Dinklage is in it. Oh, he is? Oh, I did. Yeah. Okay. I did. And he's awesome. Sweet. He plays a Russian mob boss. Sold. Honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Sold. There you go. Um, nice. I am, I just barely finished Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. Um, and I, I was excited for that one. I don't think it really hit all my boxes, but I will probably read the continuation of the series. It's like a, a, an adult fantasy book. Um, it's very like dark academia in the sense that it's like set in Yale and it has to do with, um, mystical forces and also you know yeah I mean (laughs) like the privilege of all that happens and comes with Yale um it's kind of like secret societies and stuff like that it's it's very fun Mm. um pretty dark a little slow but I think I will definitely read more as the series moves along so nice yeah it's good a nice little like escape read there's not I don't think there's not much there past the surface level but it's still enjoyable yeah that's valid all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We really appreciate your support. Um, if you have a second, please leave us a review um, on iTunes or Spotify. Um, even if you hate it, maybe just do five stars. Because why not? Just, <laughs> it helps. You know, it helps people it. find the podcast. So that's that's mostly why we appreciate it. Um, and we also love to yeah. get your feedback. So if even if you don't want to, you know, leave us a traditional review saying what you like and didn't like about it. Feel free to leave just your comments about the episode maybe that you listened to and what your thoughts were on the book. We would really love to hear that. And, um, you know, we definitely want to respond to it. And with that as well, if you have any thoughts um, or concerns or anything that you want to have us discuss on the on the pod, feel free to send us an email at litandlibation at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, everybody. Um, And also thanks again to Kendrick for editing and for the music. Um, If you haven't, please go check him out on YouTube under Kendrick Zane. Um, And thanks, everybody. We really appreciate it. Thank Um, you. Bye, Sadie. Bye. (laughs)